Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out Big Blue Die, our podcast that's associated with Really Dicey. This is Manny, and I'm here with Matt and special guests. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'm James Drucker. Uh, I'm a uh, RPG uh, writer who's worked with uh, Sons of the Singularity and um, uh, the uh, Lost Lorn Project for Mark Greenhagen. All right, excellent. So I'm going to roll the big blue die and see what topic okay. we're going to do today. All right, what do we got? All right. Roll them buttons. Number nine, which is Cthulhu. Sli- the slimy oh. tentacles of Cthulhu. Really? <laughs> Again? It's always slimy with Cthulhu. Yeah, here's You're a topic. tired of Cthulhu, can you? Here, here, here's a topic. Is Cthulhu getting a little cliche? Is there a problem of expectations? I mean, when we sit down to play Cthulhu, don't we all know what we're going to get? I mean, you know, the, the, the keeper tell, describes this really idyllic village that you go to, and you're all just sitting there waiting for something slimy to jump out of somebody. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that seems to be the, the very basic way to make a Cthulhu kind of session, but I, yeah. I think that... Uh, yeah. I, it obviously starts where it starts. I mean, like with uh, with Dungeons and Dragons, it all started with your standard dungeon crawl. It's like, you know, the yeah. game was you go out in the wilderness, you find a cave, you go in it, you beat up the minions, you beat up the big bad, you take the treasure, you go back to town, rinse, repeat. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's true. It's true. Yeah. And, and I, it's not like I, I don't enjoy that, you know. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as an aside, uh, James, I, I really like uh, your Cthulhu work. Mm-hmm. You know, that, would, that was some good stuff. Um, Thank you. But it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was called Cthulhu. I mean, it was an alien yeah. god and, or a bunch of alien gods and they drive you insane. And, and, you know, Lovecraft really had this phobia of the sea, apparently. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the alien gods are all, you know, Octopods, or something. <laughs> squishy and slimy. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, you know, it's, it's somehow the extra dimensions are never furry or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, something. So I'm sure, there are some fuzzy creatures in the Cthulhu mythos. Oh, so. there must be. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 if I may add my my two cents, I, I think yeah. there's a reason why I think Cthulhu has done better than a lot of our. Um, well-known monsters in our modern mythology mm-hmm. um like for example frankenstein's monster dracula maybe even the, the werewolf none of those really like are really afraid of those anymore um mm-hmm. I, I i think the problem with horror in general is that when we know their origins and see their faces a lot they just stop becoming scary i, I remember Nightmare on Elm Street. I remember the first movie like scared the, the, the crap out of me. That was just such a horrifying film. The second one just as just as crazy. And the third one was 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 again. I love I love the first three, but by the fourth one, because um, by then we started knowing who Freddy was. Um, before when they first showed Freddy Krueger, he was always in the shadow. You knew he was burned, but you could never really see his face. All you saw was him mm-hmm. in the glove. But by the fourth movie, I mean, I remember he was a scene where he was fighting on a beach on a sunny day um, and and wearing sunglasses. And by then I was like, oh, okay, this is no longer a horror film. It's an, it's an action film. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. think that, and the reason why Cthulhu doesn't really 
had that problem too much is because Cthulhu, what's great about Cthulhu is that it's, you can't put Cthulhu in a box. It's, it's, um, it, it seems to change somewhat by the ages. Like, like you could, I could consider, I consider some of John, John Carpenter's 80s films as very Cthulhu-ish, uh, The Thing, um, uh, In the Mouth of Madden, especially that one. Um, yeah. And uh, The Prince of Darkness, that, that movie, that's probably the, the one of the few horror movies I've seen, that and The Exorcist, that I'll watch once and never again. <laughs> the Exorcist, I love that. Uh, I love, love you invoking John Carpenter, that, that makes me very happy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hijack your your uh, nightmare on Elm Street in just a second, but I do want to respond to because uh, you, you mentioned my um, uh, my Cthulhu work, which was uh, published so far was uh, it's called The Fate of Cal in uh, the Journal of the by the Sons of Singularity, um, yes. and and you, you're absolutely right in that. Like, and I fully admit, and I'm fully my, my full aim with that scenario was very kind of your your standard potboiler kind of Cthulhu adventure. Um, I, I wanted to come from a very cinematic place with it, and and just drop the characters in a, 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 a your standard for the yep. most part Cthulhu scenario. Although I think like uh, I, I like I like the the, the shift in. In where the characters come from, that they're all sailors, they're not specialists, they're not your standard uh, investigators or anything. They're just sort of swept along in events that they don't really understand and for the most part can't really change, which is pretty much a staple of the Cthulhu gaming genre. Um, hmm. uh, the, the trick is obviously making something like that without it feeling like the characters being railroaded um, along <laughs> the adventure. Um, uh, so that, I, I think, again, when, when you're, because you talk about like enjoying the, uh, the dungeon crawls of old, we all enjoy that from time to time. Um, and what I wanted to create was something like that with Cthulhu and just like. Oh no, he slipped into another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> Cthulhu didn't like him talking about all this. He was sucked away. We said his name too much. Now he's going to come through the mirror and get us. He did. He said too much. Okay. <laughs> well, it's always come. Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay, great. You're back. You're back from yes. the other dimension. <laughs> did, could you hear me through the entire time or was no. I gone? No. Nope. Oh. Nope. You were frozen. Where did I get to? Dumb jokes about you. <laughs> no. I, I, I heard you guys the whole time. Okay. Um, where, 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 did, where, did, where, did you, where did I get cut off? Uh, you were comparing it to a dungeon crawl, and you were saying that we love the dungeon crawl. So what yeah. you were trying to do was create uh, yeah. a yeah, yeah, it's that, yeah. You you love a good dungeon crawl. We like that, and so when you transfer that idea over to Cthulhu, you drop in your standard kind of monster uh, yeah. event, and 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 there's the nostalgia that's attached to that. You know that we love playing that old game every once in a while. And that's exactly what I was trying to create. Um, and like I said, I was going to hijack the the, uh, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street kind of analogy you were starting with there. Because, uh, yeah, the first few movies especially, really creepy because it's something really fresh and really new. Um, and then you get to like the fourth and fifth and it's kind of like, okay, we've seen this, we've done that. Now it's just become a movie that's simply about being a character of itself, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but but it needs, it needs innovation. It needs... Um, uh, uh, kind of reinvention, or or at least evolution, um, and I feel that uh, to me the, the scariest a Nightmare on Elm Street movie is actually Wes Craven's New Nightmare, where they take the concept of it being a movie 
and then bring it into reality as it were. So it's about Wes Craven and him talking about how he made these movies because he had some weird dreams and stuff like that. And all of a sudden the character of Freddy is asserting itself on reality. That was fresh. That was new. That was, that was an innovation. That was, that was an evolution of, of the story, which really, when you look at it, it's kind of the same story, but it's taking it in a, in, in, in a new direction. And then think that's the evolution of, of how we tell stories needs to um, make itself kind of apparent when we're creating these stories for people to play. And I think that does happen. Um, uh, just the other day, I can't remember what outfit it was, but they were uh, they're, they're trying to get um, Cthulhu, call Cthulhu-specific um, uh, scenarios written um, that deal with uh, NFTs and, and, ah. and cryptocurrencies and stuff like that. They don't. They, they make it very clear. They say, we don't support this. I can't, I can't remember if it was Arc Dream or, or whoever with the, the Delta Green RPG, but, but they, were, they, were, they, were, they had like a contest going where they want people to write a Cthulhu mythos-based um, scenarios with NFTs as part of the story. And, and it's like, how would you incorporate this into the horror? And, and that's just, it's taking something that's current and sort of enveloping it within the mythos. And I think that's, again, it's, it's innovation, it's, it's reinvention, and it's uh, evolution of, yeah. uh, of, yeah. of the storytelling. No, that, that's really cool. And um, yeah, I think um, a lot of the trappings of Cthulhu can come become kind of cliche. I mean, you know, you have plushy Cthulhu dolls. <laughs> I mean, he's no longer the great lord now. Now he's a now he's, now he's a bobble. Look at that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, you know, at its core, um, the mythos doesn't have anything to do. You know, is it really about Cthulhu or or, mm -hmm. or Dagon or any any of the specific players? It's it's. Uh, the unknown and more than that the unknowable <laughs> you can take that and really put it into anything I, I, I wish I could remember who sit where I read this because I because I come back to this all the time somebody called Cthulhu uh, the, the the mythos uh, the cuckoo mythology because like the cuckoo bird it can smuggle its way into anything <laughs> You can find kind of the you can you can put the darkness of Cthulhu, of the mythos, into anything. Um, you know NFTs. Uh, you know any sort of mythology you like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know um, at you know you can have this sort of craziness at the base of it. Uh, you know two books come to mind. Um, Chaosium's uh, new book of cultists, which mm -hmm. the review about. I'm really which was uh, really fantastic. And, and my favorite thing about that book is it starts off by saying that the gods in the mythos are completely unknowable and we can't understand them at all. And it said, so how do you tell stories about that? You don't. You tell stories yeah. about the human cultists. And, and yeah. I really like that. The people who are trying to, to interpret what they think the gods Trying to yeah. interpret it, yeah, yeah. So it's where man meets madness and that's the story. Yeah. And the other one I really liked, and this really surprised me, um, uh, ages ago, now, <laughs> time passes. Um, Too fast. Uh, there was a, a Call of Cthulhu uh, D20 version during the 3E days. And yeah. 
you know, I never thought I would, I would totally not interested at all. I said, how is that ever going to work? But I happened to look at it at, at a used store and, and I picked it up because, because of the one section. It had, it had this one section about the mythos and it, it, it did something that I'd never seen before because there are different interpretations of the mythos, like even in, in the publication, right? So there's, there's Lovecraft and, and his stories and then there's, what's his name? Uh, Doglish, Dog, the, the guy- Durless. Yes, Durless, thank you. So he came along afterwards and wrote some stories and he did a lot of different things that a lot of people don't like and like Chaosium ignores. Like he, like he associated different gods with, you know, the Greek elements and, and he kind of set up a dichotomy of good gods and evil gods and sort of things like that. So what was so great about this third, this three E book was it said everything about the mythos is wrong. (laughs) Everything we think we know is wrong. It's all of these different things are just people trying to understand it. And, And so it managed to incorporate everything. <laughs> you know, because if your cosmology is unknowable, then you can literally take everything and have it fit. You can do anything you want. Yeah, I think that's uh, the, so, the freedom. I think that's in general the freedom of role playing games. Yeah. yeah, in total. I mean, you can really do anything you want. And and just for uh, the the D twenty Cthulhu was actually the first game I ever GM'd. Uh, wow. Yeah, because uh, I played Cthulhu before, and it was Chaosium, like fifth mm-hmm. or sixth edition, way back, like when I was a, a wee lad. Um, <laughs> but the first time, first time I started GMing, I was I had gotten back into role playing with third edition and stuff, and my friends uh, kind of dragged me in, and and I and the new cake called Cthulhu D twenty had just come out, and and I was kind of like, oh, it's D twenty, I love D twenty, and Cthulhu, I love Cthulhu, I should check this out, and uh, and. I sort of got, you know, um, volunteered to run some <laughs> games for them. Sure. So it was the first stuff. It was the first stuff I ever started running, and some of those first sessions still remain some of the best gaming sessions I've ever run. Um, partly due to how much I planned for mm-hmm. like two months before we started running. Um, I wish I still had the files that I created because, like, I even made fonts and stuff, and it looked like an actual scenario. And I lost cool. all this room and stuff. So, but. Uh, but that is, it is a fantastic book for any Call of Cthulhu um, uh, GM, I think, just because of, uh, even just the text knowledge that's in there. And you know, like you said, yeah. the, the information on how to interpret the mythos within that book is is mind-blowingly good. Um, uh, it was written by um, Monty Cook, um, right. who, who historically now has become a, a very highly um, regarded um, uh, game maker in his own right. Um, and and this book definitely shows the seeds of those uh, those future accomplishments that that he would uh, eventually be known for. So um, great book, great book. I wish I still had it. I gotta gotta buy me a copy again. <laughs> Same here, actually. I uh, I lost it in in the great flood. Yeah. I had a I had a storage unit flood, and I lost I don't know maybe a third of my role playing oh. collection just. Oh, I remember that was that was like over the last year and a half or something, wasn't it? Yeah, or very yeah. recently. Yeah, I remember seeing those Some pictures. Real but... great stuff. Uh, you know, I had that. I I had West End Ghostbusters. Oh no! I, yes, exactly. West End Ghostbusters gone. There, there's some real horror there. Yeah, that's real horror. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but, um, you know, actually, um, Ghostbusters uh, actually kind of ties into their mythos a little yeah. bit. Because, oh, definitely. Um, you know, uh, because, you know, I remember a passage from the book. This is the second edition, Ghostbusters International. And we were talking about, you know, they are unabashedly talking about how great their game was. <laughs> and they, they were saying that, uh, you know, the great thing about the supernatural is that it doesn't have to obey any rules. <laughs> science fiction should at least look like science. Fantasy Ooh. should at least look like bad history or have some sort of rules. <laughs> if it's supernatural, you know, it, you, you have rules and then they just go flying off in the other direction yeah. and that's what makes it scary. So, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that brings me kind of around to the problem I was getting back at the beginning. It, it comes down, you know, we, we can talk about the game in abstract, like we're reading the books and everything, but when it comes down to sitting at the table, um, everybody has to agree either you know explicitly or usually not that they're going to let themselves be scared <laughs> or swept along in the Cthulhu because if you take a Cthulhu game and like a Ghostbusters game the difference oh, yeah. is almost entirely the player characters because because look at the look at the first Ghostbusters movie Zool was scary as hell right he mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. it could have been a Cthulhu monster, right? The the only difference between you know that movie and 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 a you know a, and a, a Lovecraft story is the flippant attitude mm -hmm. uh, of the the player characters. Yeah. So you know that's like I don't really run uh, Call of Cthulhu at gaming conventions anymore because really it only takes one person at the table who yeah doesn't want to get in on it. And it just ruins the whole mood. Yeah, I've been I've been relatively lucky when it comes to convention play. Um, I run a convention out here in Kamloops called CamCon. Well, I I I, I help run. Um, I coordinate the GMs, but I also do a regular Saturday night Cthulhu game. Um, and my Saturday night games, uh, like the first one I ran, I would have to say is probably the best session of Cthulhu I've ever run. Um, and it, it wasn't just because I ran it well which I like to think I did, but sure. <laughs> because, but because everybody at the table got it, yeah. got it, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and, and we didn't have those players who, who just wanted to embrace the potential silliness of it. Um, oddly enough, the next day, my, my friend, um, Leanne Mons, who um, was one of my GMs for CamCon, but also is the first person who ever GMed Call of Cthulhu for me way back in high school. Um, uh, Leanne or Tammy, as I know her, um, was running a, a, another similar game, and she goes a little more gonzo, so I mean, it works more with her. But there were a couple of guys at the table who were doing that, who were just sort of, it's like, oh, uh, I smacked this other guy in the head. It's kind of like, why are you doing that? Doesn't, and it's, and like I said, it just takes one or two people to totally ruin everything. Yeah. Um, whereas if, if you find people who get it, then it becomes the right moment. Um, and, and I'll harken back to Manny. We had that uh, conversation um, a few weeks ago about monsters. Um, and I made a point about um, when player characters are playing a character, 
to be scared. Um, we're not necessarily, necessarily scaring the player, but we're meant to be scaring the character. And so if the players can embrace that notion, it's like, it's not me who's being scared. Cause I, of course I know this is, it's a it, monster doesn't exist or I'm not gonna get hurt, blah, blah, blah. There's no danger inherent in here, but my character doesn't know that. And if they understand how to role play that, then it becomes absolutely wonderful. It becomes just fantastic. And, uh, and role playing fear, it's a very different thing than being scared, I think. Um, and and if, you, if you can find a way to connect the two, that's always fantastic. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily required either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, real um, good point. How about the difference between being scared but then your character being scared. I guess I guess the key thing is making sure that players are interested in your story, even if it's something very basic, like monster from the creature from the Black Lagoon type of thing. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, it's just keeping keeping people engaged. I think, and again, that's that that's the uh, one of those hidden roles of the GM is 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 keeping things paced and keeping people engaged in your story, one way or the other. Uh, I mean, those, those same games that I run at cons, um, people think I'm insane because I run like eight players for a Call of Duty game. <laughs> You're insane. I'm insane. Because uh, <laughs> like, I, I prepped, I, I was saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I went on, on Facebook and said, I'm preparing to run a game for uh, eight to 10 players at a con for Call of Duty, uh, seventh edition. And it, that's just said, you can't do that. That's not going to work. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> And, and so right off the bat, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm going to put myself behind an, an eight ball. And this is like one of the first games I've run with the new rules, too. So I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> although I run fairly fast and loose with the rules and just oh, sure. go with yeah. whatever works. Because for me, pacing is important uh, and yeah. timing and keeping people engaged. Um, and the trick is when you're, especially when you're dealing with that many people, is that not only does the person you're engaging with directly in the moment need to be entertained, but so does everybody else at the table. So they need to be able to watch what I'm doing with one player and still be engaged and, and being entertained uh, or getting something from it at the same time. So it's, it's, it's delicate. Cause if you just, if you're just engaged with one person and just trying to entertain that one person in front of you, then everybody else at the table is going to like, pick up phones, do something yep. else, talk amongst themselves and everybody's going to be taken right out of the moment. So, no, it, it, that, yeah. that is, that's, that's difficult. Yes, but you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, ideally, um, every minute of your game should be entertaining. And now we're dipping into like Mark Mercer effect territory with, you know, it's like I, not everybody can do that and not everybody should expect that of the GM either. Uh, I mean, I like to think I'm a really good GM, and but I, but everyone needs to realize that not everybody is going to be the greatest GM, especially when you're just starting out figuring out yeah, how to yeah, do it. Yeah. You know, um, so I think it's uh, it, it's 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 tough. And again, I, I I'm not trying to, to you know toot my own horn or anything about that. Either. <laughs> it's like uh, I, it, it just comes from my own uh, uh, confidence in what I'm doing. Um, so uh, I, I'm really I'm not arrogant. <laughs> no, um, maybe a little but you know it's absolutely possible to run games with a lot of people um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and i have seen it done uh, i run when i run paranoia i have six people and and uh i've i've run games with eight people um uh i find personally i kind of 
lose track of people sometimes and the action can get away from me, particularly in really crazy games. So I prefer a smaller number, but it's, you know, perfectly possible to do it with a, a large yeah. group of people. Well, I think like in staying with the topic though, in terms of creating horror in games, and, and I think I think it's easy to get outside of just Call of Cthulhu with horror when you're dealing with, you know, running horror. Like I mean, because I, I, I think horror is the one thing that, that, that Call of Cthulhu is known for, obviously, um, mm -hmm. and figuring out ways to to make that fresh continually or evolve it um, or taking games like paranoia which is definitely horror but in a very very different way yes. um i mean i love i love paranoia paranoia is the ultimate you know uh, party game uh, in yep. terms of role playing because oh, yeah. it, there there are no rules and i mean I, i'm a big fan of the current version by mongoose which is diceless the gm which is just it's perfect for me because i'm just very off the cuff I love that kind of stuff where I just I just have to respond and 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 giving a brief explanation to the players that your actions in and out of game will dictate how things go. Yep. You need to understand. So if you sit there and you <laughs> say to me, "Hmm, can my character jump out of the way of that bullet before it hits me?" Say, no, too late. It's already hit you. Wait, what? No, no, no. There's nope. Too late. <laughs> they get it real quick. They figure it out. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> But using that that horror in 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 different ways, um, I, I think like again, going back with Ghostbusters and stuff, mixing horror with comedy is yeah. is always fun. And invariably, I, I I defy any role playing group to tell me that they've never had any of their games descend into absolute idiocy, because oh, I think that good, just yeah. happens. Of course, of and course. it's it's half of the fun of, of getting oh, yeah, together with yeah. your friends on a Saturday evening and just doing stupid stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So going back to the topic of Cthulhu, I've been, yeah. I've been, I've been, um, and I, I know both of you kind of hit these points already, but I'm trying to think, like, can there be a serious Cthulhu game? Uh, like, it's just okay. like 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 psychologically serious. <laughs> But I, I'm not sure if you could like like so. I'm thinking about something. I'm trying to think. Okay, what's the last movie that kind of freaked me out? And I was thinking mm -hmm. about Midsummer, Midsummer. I hope I'm saying that right. Oh, yeah. And that that's a creepy movie. Um, Matt, have you seen it? I haven't. No. Uh, I, I haven't seen it all the way through. I, I'm well aware of it myself. And yeah, it's 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 a it's an unsettling film. <laughs> yeah, it, it deals with with cults and and yeah. um and how uh it, it it's the the horror of like like things should be working a certain way logically and it doesn't and then mm -hmm. and then it it, it uh it, I, I can't say too much if you haven't anyone hasn't seen it you should definitely check it out if yeah. you like that type of horror um that psychological folk horror mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but but I, I was thinking about like all right can i put that in my game and i don't think i can because uh, players are either too smart or too silly and and it's it's unless they really into like role playing or acting yeah you know, yeah. that, that to me is it's really hard to do. Well, again, it's knowing the people at your table, and I think I honestly, I honestly think it's very doable. Um, I've seen some scenarios that deal with it. Like, I mean, they they skirt the, the squishier elements of the mythos. Um, I I can't remember the name of the scenario. I think it was a uh, a Delta Green one. Um, I think I think it was Seth Rukowski was talking about it on his YouTube channel, and uh, it's uh, kind of like a a closed room scenario where all the players start out on an airplane um, and then they start 
experiencing weird either time jumps or, or location jumps, and they just start happening randomly. And so like, like a small scene happens, and then there's a jump, and they're, they're different people, and they're in different places, and then a scene plays out, and then another jump. Um, and, it's, and it's all about... There, it's all psychological, it, it, and I mean, I'm not, I don't know. If, I can't remember what it's called. I don't want to reveal the ending or anything like that. But it's, but it's, it, it, it all, it, it, it's all very psychological in terms of the way that things pan out, and it's not meant to be a squishy, you know, uh, end up with a, you know, impaled or your body torn in half kind of horror. Yeah. Um, and, but like you said, yeah, I think it takes the right players and, and the right communication with those players as well. I mean, if you if, if you establish with your players saying this is what your characters are and this is what they're about to experience, then I think you're still giving them the freedom to explore that however they want. Um, and, and you know that that of course that's always assuming that your players are not going to be one of those con players who just want to you know watch the world burn, um, as it were. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yes, if, I think it's possible to true, to still truly be scary and disturbing um, with Call of Cthulhu or other games. I've run games that, that I like to think uh, that, you know, really kind of creep some of my players out. Mm -hmm. But in a way, it's dangerous. Because uh, a year or so ago, Manny and I had a discussion with some people about uh, like consent um, in horror mm -hmm. games yeah. and other games. Okay, so the problem is horror game, horror brings you really close to your boundaries, possibly mm -hmm. even just a little bit over, so you're uncomfortable. Yeah. And you can't... Hmm. <laughs> you can't give it away too much by yeah. asking what the boundaries are. So I've had exactly. games that I've, I've gone too far. I've had players yeah. contact me yeah. afterwards and say, I can't do this anymore. Like, oh, yeah. Geez, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Uh, and so we stopped. Um, so it is, I mean, I, I came up with this scenario that I thought would be really creepy, but I don't know if I'll ever find the right people for it. So my wife mm -hmm. and I were staying at a, uh, like a, a bed and breakfast, uh, I mean, a, an Airbnb sort of place. And it was a little, yeah. resort, a little tiny cabins. And it was, and it was kind of in the, the woods in New York. And uh, it was the off season. So most of the places were empty, but they were really strangely decorated. They all, all these little, you know, kind of Norse sort of symbols and everything all over the place. And there was a, there was a hillside, like a big open hillside with some sort of stage built in, you know, and, and at one over, over, you know, there was a path into the woods and in the woods, there was a, there was another little wooden stage with the, I mean, a, 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 um, a stone stage with these, these standing stones and this table and everything. And we kept saying, God, have, 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 have we, you know, is this the cult camp on the off season? I mean, what's, what's going on here? And it's you know, speaking of midsummer. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we were talking about that and, and I thought, you know, it's like, wow, what would be a cult and that'd be scary or thing. And one of us, I can't remember who it was, my wife or I, we said, you know, it'd be really frightening is if you set up a game like this 
and you kept dropping these hints. And then you had like caretakers and people show up and doing things. Players who were playing Call of Cthulhu um, overreact and they commit murder. Like they, 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 they try to stop somebody and, and, and then it doesn't turn out to be a cult. Like there's nothing involved and suddenly you're the yeah. bad guys. You're the blood, you've just yeah. killed somebody. <laughs> and I See, guess, that's, that's brilliant, yeah. That is a really frightening scenario. And I looked at my wife yeah. and I said, I, I can't run that. I mean, who would I run that for? <laughs> yeah, that's, well, it, it's about knowing the players. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Uh, and I, don't I mean, know I've had, do. yeah, as, as a GM, I've had those, those ideas myself too, bridging uh, reality and the fantasy and wondering how would you do that? Um, and, and how could that be really interesting? Um, uh, someday uh, I would love to do it. I had a very similar notion of where I think, I think I had like more of a plane topping kind of scenario uh, where eventually um, the, the characters would somehow uh, be watching the players playing. It's like like you describe this and you see you see six people around a table with with strange jewels in their hands and they're throwing them around and they're they're laughing and talking and 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 slowly getting the characters to um, to, to, to just well, describing the characters exactly what they are and the players slowly realizing oh my god we're looking at ourselves right now and now how do I make that work and how do I like because uh, because part of it isn't just you know it, is it going to my player is going to react badly to it, but part of it is how do I make it work and make yeah. it logical? Um, and pull it off. So, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Um, yeah, because yeah. I think it's it's one of those types of reveals where because I love reveals, I love dropping you know just the, dropping the mic at the end of a session and and having my players just kind of go, oh, I can't believe what you just did. Like one, of the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. The, hands down, the best moment I've ever had in role-playing was in those early Call of Cthulhu D20 sessions. Um, they had just, they, they, like the first series of sessions, like two or three, they went over to England to the small town to do a bit of research on a bunch of people went missing and stuff. And when they finally tied, or as close as they could to tie everything up, um, their mysterious benefactors had bought them a, uh, uh, a, a cruise ship trip back to the States. Hmm. All expenses paid, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds awesome!" And so I described them walking up to the up to the dock, and they look up at this grand ship, and across the bow, it's etched HRMS Titanic. And <laughs> one of my players just looks at me and goes, "Why?" <laughs> and that was my greatest moment as a GM. So, and, and then it's like again in time with the whole the topic you know uh, that's a totally different type of horror because yeah, yeah. everybody at the table every player at the table is well aware of what's going to happen with the titanic right. however all of the player characters are the the only thing that's going through their mind is this is going to be a fantastic trip <laughs> and i think it's i think it's 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 that disconnect between player and their yeah. their player characters that a creates horror in yep. its own way and the entertainment value of of the moment because in in that moment i'm creating horror but not for the player characters but right. i'm creating horror for the characters in its own sense it's like oh my god we're all gonna die but we don't know it yet and if you have the right players playing that it's it, like i said it's it's a mic drop moment and and it, to me it's just i've i've tried to relive it a few times i had i had a bunch of player characters climb on board the uh, 
Hindenburg? Uh, the Hindenburg, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, the I, I mean, Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, just having that, lots of fun with it, so. That, that, that right there, that is the other solution to kind of the problem, the cliche problem that I started with, which is not to solve it, right? Because what we're talking about is tragedy, right? Yeah. The, the literal tra tra tragedy as an art form, you know the ending. You, mm -hmm. It's a Greek tragedy. You know that we're all waiting for the for the hero to fall, and so that's what Call of Cthulhu be, can become. We're waiting yeah. for this. So as yeah. we, because we're both the audience and the actors, and so as the as the audience, we're waiting for the tragedy to happen, and that that anticipation can be part of the enjoyment. Is is a is an ingredient in the horror. So that can be yeah. great, yeah, yeah. I think my proudest Cthulhu moment was we reached the end of the game and some of the characters were dead and one poor guy was insane like three ways to Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so I was like, but one guy got off. He, he, he got off of the, 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 the Dread Island and he managed to escape. And I said, okay, John, what are you gonna do? He said, I'm gonna go home and drink myself to death. <laughs> <laughs> That is a perfectly that's, reasonable thing to do after exactly. what you've experienced. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's also very, it's a very horror thing to do. It's yeah. how people unfortunately deal with um, stress and, uh, and, and dealing with real horror in their lives. And for, for player characters and players to be able to, to take that uh, and, and use, and, and again, I don't think using it exploitatively is necessarily healthy but use it in a way that makes sense within the game world and and what their characters experienced um it, yeah. it, it becomes the players adding horror to uh, the game as opposed to just leaving it on the gm's shoulders oh, sure, to create sure. horror in the game and so that's yeah, fantastic he, yeah he he had had his his big horror his big horrible reveal was kind of an arthur jenkins thing he discovered that he was related to the horror, like okay. you know, his, in his family history, it's like discovering nice. you're a deep one, and so he, there was nothing. He was like, "That's it. I'm just gonna yeah. go home and drink myself to death because I can't live with this." Okay, there you go. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> what about yeah, what about you, Manny? Had have have you had any like great moments of horror in games that you've uh, witnessed or, or created? Oh, well, not in Cthulhu. I'm still, I've been more of a player and I don't think I've ever ran Cthulhu as far as I can remember. Okay. Um, uh, Have you ever experienced great horror in a game? I, I so I, I kind of treat my games like horror movies, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, like um, I'm doing right now Temple, uh, Temple of Elemental Evil. Um, I'm running that for, for a couple of friends. And um and Matt's laughing because he's one of them. And, uh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> and um, a couple of things. What I what I do. One is I kind of look what's in the book, and then I kind of like twist it and make it more darker. Especially, see, the problem with uh, a game like Temple of Elemental Evil, even if you've never played the game, there's certain parts of it that are very iconic. Mm -hmm. So that it, I'm worried that okay, they're gonna play this, these scenarios, and it's like they, like they their characters or they've heard these type of stories over and over again. The problem with Temple of Mental Evil is that I'm worried that parts of it are, are very well known, very iconic. You know, uh, Temple was kind of one of the first mega dungeons 
Um, yep. So it's, I was worried that plays, if they can play certain scenarios that are familiar with. So I try to just twist it and turn it so make it much more horrifying, make it much more tension. I, I mean, I'm playing with players that played for like 30 years uh, and over. So yeah. it, it's, it's my job, I felt, to make things a little more uh, difficult and, and the tension to always be kind of high. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to give anything specific. Um, uh, well, let me ask you this, Matt. Did you like the, the reveal of the Beholder? Oh, well, uh, yeah, well, I was, I was really, uh, yeah, so, that was, so, <laughs> that there, was pretty shocking. No, there is no Beholder in Temple of Mental Evil. Um, oh, okay. But there's a, there's a mad wizard. Well, there is now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I knew that there were certain players that played the, the video game version of it. And I mm-hmm. knew, and I knew that if they're going to fight the, this mad wizard on the third level, that they were going to, it's going to, you know, they, they've seen it, they heard it before. So I, I wanted to, to make a twist at it that when they find the wizard, that wizard's dead or dying. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the wizard points over there, like, this is your death coming your way. And then suddenly with the, the, this door, they see up ahead disintegrates and this this thing with, like, looks like a face floating in the air with, with these weird eyes looking mm-hmm. at you, um, coming your way. And that, that, I love that how everyone kind of freaked out about it. It's like, oh no, it's a beholder. And even though, yeah, again, yeah. You know, freaked out because yep. because yeah, <laughs> it was just not uh, unexpected. So I I, yep. I just uh, yep. I just overall I always create tension. I, I just grew up on horror movies, you know. Okay. So I, I try to did. yeah. So I, I I try to keep those those elements of surprise and tension always pretty high. That's the way to do it. I mean, that's that's really the core of horror: is surprise and tension, because it's 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 about holding back and then that sudden release, you know, catharsis. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that makes it that makes it entertaining at least. So, the uh, the scariest game I was in was actually uh, it, it happened to be a Star Wars game. Does wasn't wasn't anything like Star Wars. It was it was like Alien. We we dark we docked on a ship. And, and, and the lights were off and there was flickering and something was moving through the ship and hunting us. And damn, that was scary because we couldn't nice. find it. And it just kept jumping out and grabbing us. And, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, you know, it, it proves that, you know, horror isn't the sole uh, uh, kind of venue that uh, that belongs to Chaosium and, and Call yes. of Cthulhu. You can do yeah. horror anywhere. And the same thing with... Uh, with Banny's experience with uh, Tel- Temple of Elemental Evil, you can you can embrace elements of horror in any game, and and again, and bringing it back to the topic at hand is taking those those kind of uh, ideas and, and and styles and notions from other games and other places and bringing them into Call of Cthulhu is what yeah. continually keeps it fresh and keeps it evolving and moving forward. Um, and I think. Just the more people that play it, the more people that, that view it start to uh, to reinterpret it through their own lenses, and mm-hmm. it just it, it can't help but evolve and become something different as time goes along. Yeah. So. yeah. That, actually, there there's two more books I wanted to mention uh, that occurred to me. One was um, Trail of Cthulhu, uh, which uses the gumshoe system. Uh, and what I like about that is uh, in the section where it describes the gods, there's, um, there's a little bullet point under each god where, it, uh, where you know, so you get the, the main description as office center of the universe, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then you get a, a little bullet point of 
possible other interpretations. So, and, and they are really, they, some, some of them get really far out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Azazoth was the perf- personification of the nuclear force. Nice. <laughs> and and Narlahotep Nar was a uh, uh, self-aware meme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that particularly works for because yeah. he's, he's presented as a god with a thousand faces. Right. So, so he doesn't do actually, anything you want with him. He doesn't have yeah. a physical existence. And, yeah. and, and, and it was so cool because it was just the bullet point. It was just that. There, and, and they left the implications for the GM to stay up all night trying to yeah. figure out. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention, I guess this isn't a book. Um, this is a kind of a line. I, I think it's Chaosium did this. They had... Um, Pulp Cthulhu, all right? So I'm not a particularly big fan of Pulp Cthulhu, but what I love about it is that it branched it off. So because there is a certain type of player who, when they're playing Cthulhu, loads up on dynamite and guns. Mm -hmm. No matter how many times you tell them that's not going to (laughs) help. Yeah. (laughs) They find some way to blow everything up. So by branching it off, you can you can say okay we are going to play the game with dynamite yeah. that's fine yeah. and, and the implication is when we're playing call of cthulhu we're not playing the game with the dynamite yeah. well and that's the thing because like you bring it back to uh the the fate of kaong my, my scenario with the sense of singularity um i like to think that it's a very pulp feeling yeah. kind of scenario um uh, and in in the sense of the the main threat that they're fighting against they have an ability to affect it in some way um yeah. although the, the grander scope stuff they're just they're insects compared to what's going on um as the story plays out as as you might remember um yes. uh, so but but still having having them have the ability to not just witness what's going on and and be an actual participant in the events um right. a makes it more exciting for them obviously in my opinion um, sure. And uh, gets them to personalize the horror a little bit more, I think, too. Yeah. Because um, yeah. if, if all you're doing is describing something uh, that's big, uh, ugly, and they can't quite fathom the reality of, uh, you start to lose the, the personalization of that, I think. Whereas if, if you're forcing them to see it through a, a more intimate lens, um, then, it become, then, then the horror becomes a lot more... Uh, easy to 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 translate to okay. to their to how they're watching I, I i don't know if i'm making sense here. oh that that does make sense and and i ramble be too harsh there's nothing against you know i'm all for using dynamite to blow up the old temple and stuff and just yeah you know that kind of it, it's yeah it's not for everyone everybody's got their own flavor of of how they want to not just experience cthulhu but experience horror or experience any role playing or experience any media uh, right. So, like, I'm I'm not saying that that, that you're wrong either. Um, not not at all. Um, I, I just I just say that it's kind of where I like to go with it, just because I I do like a rousing adventure, and just like you know, a lot of us, this is where our role playing experience is starting with you know an adventure going yes. through a, a, a a tunnel and 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 beating up monsters and being heroic, um, and, and 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 the very fact that a lot of the 
structurally and thematically, uh, Call of Cthulhu separates itself from that notion of, of the, the heroic character because you aren't meant to succeed in Call of Cthulhu. You, the, success is keeping something at bay. Yes. Success is running away and surviving the day uh, in Call of Cthulhu. Whereas in Dungeons and Dragons, you get to the end of the level and you kill the boss. That's success. Get the treasure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's two very different styles of play, um, sure. and 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 very often it's very hard to to bridge that gap. Even with like Pulp Cthulhu, because uh, Pulp Cthulhu is still very strict in saying that yeah, well, you know, uh, you can throw dynamite at stuff and kill some things. Typically, call if Cthulhu comes down and looks at your player characters and says, I want to kill you, if he even decides to pay attention to them, um, <laughs> you're dead, period. That's it, that's all. It's, there, there, is no, there is no, there's no coming back from that. Yeah. Um, and and even, even Pope Cthulhu uh, makes a point of saying that that's the case. We don't want, we don't want to break the Cthulhu mythos with, with Pope Cthulhu, um, but we want you to be able to maybe have a little more uh, kind of action agency within sure. within the game. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think I think uh, Call of Cthulhu is great to help get people to play Call of Cthulhu because I think there's a mistake that people make sometimes that all role playing games are the same. Like say all board games are the same. Obviously, mm -hmm. Monopoly and Clue, yeah, they have dice. There's, there's boards evolved, but it's not yeah. the same game. I'm not buying property <laughs> at a murder yeah. mystery. Um, but I think Call, Call of Cthulhu and D&D are very different approaches to role-playing. And I think if you're not familiar with that, you could come in and have a real bad time because you're not, you're expecting to, to win the game and, and get, yeah. you know, some sort of treasure or something at the end or even leveling up. It's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not what this game is. It's, it's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And that's, and that's, again, that's a, I think that's a communication thing with the guy who's running the game saying, this is, we're not here to, you know, be the heroes of the universe, at least not in a very uh, uh, over the top, well-known way. I mean, if yeah. we do anything positive for the world, nobody's ever going to know other than ourselves, if we maintain any level of sanity, um, which doesn't often happen. Because let's admit it, most of us enjoy Call of Cthulhu for making people insane as opposed to killing people off. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that, that's what it is. I mean, it's like, there are certain games you go for that, like Paranoia. Paranoia is the game where you kill people off with oh, yeah. great gusto. That's oh, a lot of fun. Yes, I've torn <laughs> limbs off and stuff in, in, in Paranoia and, and, and had people rolling in the aisles because of it. I so love that game so much. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> love Paranoia. So, 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 Matt, I'm trying to think, did, did we answer your question? I feel like we have and we haven't about the, yeah. whether Cthulhu is cliche, because in a way it is, but there's so many different ways of going around that to make okay. it feel well, Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I think, I, I, I think, um, you know, I think some of the, the main tropes are uh, cliche, witness the plushies, right? I, I mean, if yeah. something becomes a plushie, it's definitely a cliche. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's had a bit of its horror sapped away from it exactly you know it it's it, um like once they start making romantic comedies out of it oh god the the, the wave is over 
Like there was don't, there was a vampire don't, don't wave. Talk about that. <laughs> then there's romantic comedies. Now the vampire wave is over. It was a zombie <laughs> wave. Then there were zombie romantic comedies, and they're over. <laughs> so, um, but we're not there. We're not. We're not no. that far yet. I, I think it's it's about in re reinterpreting those those tropes and creating new tropes uh, right, exactly. going forward. And and that's and and being and being active in trying to uh, to evolve. Um, the genre and evolve the story. I think from from the get go, from from a from a strictly literary point of view, um, H.P. Lovecraft um, wanted the world and the mythos that he created to be something that was uh, almost a, for lack of a better description, a living kind of document, a living uh, mythos um, sure. that could be added to and 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 more people brought in. And this is sort of what's happened is that there are a lot of like Derleth and uh, I, I can't remember all the writers, but there are so many writers who have contributed to what is considered to be the Cthulhu mythos and, and, and H.P. Lovecraft's mythos. Um, and it, it again, it's, it's become more layered. It's, it's added different elements. It's added new ideas. And, and that's, always going to happen there's always going to be a new writer is like hmm we haven't looked at the mythos in this fashion so why don't we let's see if we can find anything interesting here um and i and i think that really works and then at the same time going back to those tropes and revisiting those original primal horrors that made it so great uh, will yeah. always be will be needed um they're tropes for a reason um exactly i, I I'm, I'm known for telling people that I don't think that cliches are inherently a bad thing, um, especially when uh, we'll go back to creating scenarios and, and adventures for conventions. Um, you want to use archetypes. You want to use cliches because that's what people are going to recognize very quickly. You've got four hours to yeah. get an assortment of players into your game and understand what's going on and understand their own characters so that you can move forward and hopefully finish something up. So you have to rely on tropes and cliches and stuff to a certain degree um, right. so that they understand how the world works and how their characters work within that world. Because um, if you don't do that, then eh, it, they spend half the time figuring that stuff out, which is fine in a long form game, I suppose, yeah. where you're you're taking more time to develop that sort of thing. But in, in a shorter form kind of thing, you want to be able to go, okay, you understand? Yes, I do. Let's go. Exactly. Um, and exactly. and there's a huge there's a huge market for that style of game that isn't not necessarily just for conventions as well. People want to be able to a pick up and go kind of game. It's like, oh, we want to play Call of Cthulhu game this this weekend. I got this great scenario that we can just we can go off and we can play that one evening. Um, and, and being able to creatively work within tropes and cliches, um, and 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 take uh, uh, kind of knowable horror that already exists, and and use it as a tool as opposed to just trying to beat people over the head with it, um, <laughs> becomes the art form of of GMing right. And, right. and scenario writing. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've I think you've got it. I think you've hit it right on the squishy tentacle. No, squishy tentacle. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've beaten this dead fish to death. <laughs> Let's oh, we don't come back to life. Let's send them back to the void for another thousand years. The stars aren't right. So thanks for listening. And uh, and thanks for joining us, uh, James. Oh, this has been this has been wonderful. 
yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll see you all or listen to you all or talk to you all. How does this work? Anyway, <laughs> join take, us take next time. Take us out, Take us out. All right, take care, everyone. Uh, uh, please continue to support us, and we'll see you next time or hear you next time or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very horrific. <laughs>